Good morning again. Touch Evan, for those of you who ventured out. Um, I was talking to Jim Headley this morning, and he gave me some names of the people he saw last night lifting toasts in that downtown when the bell went off. I saw you. I know who you are at 1 o'clock. Right, Jim? He's, he's indifferent to it. He doesn't even... Hello, Jim. All right. All right. Okay. Anyways, I know Patty was there, so we... Now I'm teasing. How many of you saw Sue this morning with her chef hat on? Huh? Chef Sue. It was pretty impressive. I was, I was really uh, admiring her, and she was just cooking away and preparing everything in that kitchen for those children. What a feast they're going to have on this day. And if some of you sneak out, I understand why. It's a, there's an odor in the house, isn't there? And uh, we appreciate that. Well, the new year is always a time when we all know that it becomes a little bit redundant in the fact that people want to make their new resolutions, they want to make decisions that they're going to change everything uh, starting today, and then typically within seven to ten days, it's all gone away. But we have a, a relationship with the Lord who never changes and who's always with us. And this morning, I'd like to deal a little bit with the revelation of time, because that's what New Year's is. It's a ticking of time, so it's the first day in time of another year, and we reschedule ourselves, don't we? Our calendars get scheduled according to that time. So let's pray. Father, give us that opportunity to go deeper with simple, simple understanding of some very deep things that you have created, that we might be able, Lord, to be those who are not challenged by time, but instead, Father, we're those who can gleam that we can operate so that time works for us instead of us working for time. Bless us for that, Lord. Give us that comfort. Give us that revelation. Help us, Lord. Help me. And be blessed so that everything that is said and done is unto your glory and your glory alone. Amen. Amen. Now we have some people that have joined us and will join us in different time zones. Uh, I was having a quick communication with a dear brother in Singapore and I realized that he's, he's already had New Year's a long time ago. And he's getting ready to go to sleep tonight. And uh, then we had our, our friends in Africa and then on the West Coast who were just waking up. And uh, some people were sending each other, you know, blessed New Year's and ringing my phone at uh, 3, 4, 5, 6 this morning. And I realized that was how they were celebrating. So time. Let's discuss time for a moment. You know, time, if you will, is inescapable, isn't it? I mean, just now we've already burned some time. We burned a couple seconds, we burned a couple minutes, we burned most of a morning, if people look at it that way. And many people say that, you know, you, you waste time and, and you lose time. Well, yes and no, that's secular. And that's the world's understanding of time. But for those of us who have been, if you will, uh, uh, rescued from time, because now we have an eternal nature then is time really, really something that we need to be intimidated by? Or is it something we need to understand with the, the mind of Christ to understand how time is always working for us and not against us, right? Ultimately, we know that if you're in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. And so as seconds tick away here on this earth, all it is is a time that you're getting closer to glory. And, and in eternity, there's no measurement of time. We'll deal with that in a moment. There's no measurement of time in eternity. Because eternal is, is, is linked with infinite. And infinite means it just goes on and on and on and on. And the closest we can understand by measuring scientifically is what? Light years. They try to determine light years. And light years become millions and billions and trillions when they try to determine the farthest stars. They can't figure it out because infinity and, and eternity are measured together. So time is inescapable, but yet it's a function of control, isn't it? Um, we have time to lose. We have time to gain. Some athletes and competitors 
they spend, what, a very disciplined regimen of time so that they can cut time, lose time. Swimmers. Swimmers are always measured by what's your best time. The best time isn't how much longer it took you, it's how shorter it took you. And they may not get the ribbon in a competition, but if their time got better, they get an add a girl, an add a boy, and they rejoice because the labors of their time saved time. It reduced time. Runners are the same way. Race car drivers are the same way. We know that industry and inventors are always trying to figure out a way to get somewhere faster or to make something easier or to make it so it takes less labor. Less labor is less time. So if you will, it's, it's always a challenge. It's a competition with time, isn't it? Airplanes, you know, we're never satisfied. Airplanes used to go, you know, 90 knots and we were excited and then 150 knots and 200 knots. Now, now 560 to 600 knots and now they're trying to reintroduce an airplane that breaks the, the sound barrier again so that somebody can get to Europe in two and a half hours or out to California in, in less time than that. We also see that almost all events have a beginning and an end, don't they? Time is measured without ceasing. A lot of people want to measure how long is the service going to be in the morning, right? And uh, I get a grade according to, is it long, not long enough, or, or too short? And I've had all of those things told me for the same sermon by different people. Pastor, you should have kept going with that. You cut it short. Pastor, it was a little too long. We had some stuff to do. Pastor, it, I, you, know, I, you know, I'm just telling you, watch your time, right? And, um, you know, I, we, we love your church, but we want to go somewhere else where it's right on time every time. And we're back out of there in 31 minutes and 30 seconds after the, after the message starts. Time is measured by fractions of seconds for some, isn't it? If you're in competition, it's a fraction of a second. It might make the difference whether you go to the Olympics or not. By a hundredth or a thousandth of a second. How it works out. Some of it's uh, in minutes. Seconds become minutes, minutes become hours. Hours become daytime and nighttime, and those become days and weeks and months and years and decades and centuries and then millennia. We measure by millennia. And each one is an infinite amount of time which links to an infinite amount of time. Time never ceases. We only know of one instance since where time was stopped, and that was just the Lord to show us that he's got complete control of time. Time doesn't measure him, he measures time. And so we understand that time is always marching on. Time never stops. And life is measured as what? A lifetime. And when we see an obituary, it tells us about the lifetime of somebody. And when we even read about the great heroes of the scriptures, it's about their life and their lifetime, how long they lived, what they did at certain intervals, even Jesus Christ, three and a half years in his ministry, and then came the time. Raised from the dead in three days. An hour when all of creation mourned when the sins of the world were put upon him as the Lamb of God. An hour, a season, a moment when everything stopped. So this mystery of overcoming the relentless assault of time is solved this way. It's to grasp the revelation that time is in God. God can manifest himself in a moment of time, and he does, and he orchestrates his moves perfectly in time. But God does not measure us, nor himself, nor all of the things that are, are intertwined with us by the time clock that we measure ourselves by, right? Now, for me, that's very important because I know that I have things to do for the kingdom and I can become impatient. And there were days in my life when I ran ahead of them and I tried to think I need to do this now because I don't know how much more time I have left. And the older we get and we begin to see people passing away, you know, I've had friends and, and people I went to school with that died in their 20s, died in their 30s, died in their 40s. And the more you see that, you begin to realize that, you know, time is marching on, how much time is left. But then when you realize that the Lord can move mightily in the moment of a sudden twink of an eye, 
and that he can compress time or he can increase time and that time in God is always a divine appointment. If you're walking in him, then you can have peace and you can begin to rest. And you can rest in the fact that maybe, you know, we become a little impatient with, with some of the things that are most dear to our hearts and important to us and we want them to be dear and important to the Lord and we know they are, but we just wonder why he's taking his time. But is he? Is God taking his time? God can't be measured by time. So God's not taking anything in time. God is already put everything into place on the divine walk. Your walk is fully determined by God if you stay on the walk and if you're obedient. Now we can move off the walk and then we get strayed from time, but if we're walking in the Lord, we're focused and right on time with what he wants us to do. So let's just look at a few things. I want to take you a little further. Let's look at Amos 9.13. Now I preached on this about a month or two back, or maybe it was longer, I think it was maybe in October, I can't remember. And I was talking about how your future will overtake your presence when you're walking in the Lord. And what Amos says is, behold, the days are coming. The days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of graves from him who sows seed. Now let me break that down a little bit easier. See, see is how it starts off. The days will come. See is a prophetic word in the Bible. Now when it's talking about a person's sight, that's about the eyes. But when it says see, that's, that's a seer. A seer is a prophetic gift. And in the Hebrew, it's called chazah. Chazah means to see through the present time into his time, into his future. So the command from Amos, who was a prophet, right? He was a prophet. He, it was natural for him to say, see. Otherwise, you can't comprehend this if you're stuck in time. You can't comprehend this if your present revelation of time is only what you experience or what you've experienced. So he said, see, break loose. So I say, see in the name of Jesus, see. Open your mind, open your spirit, and see beyond the present time. And it says this, see, the days will come, says the Lord, when the plowman will overtake him who is cutting the grain. Now, we understand in the crusher of the grapes, him who is planting seed. The crusher of the grapes, he's waiting for the grape seeds to what? Harvest, to grow, to harvest, and it takes a whole season. And you have to prune your grapes. If any of you have ever worked grape vineyards, you have to prune them. If you don't that year, they don't come off very good the next year. And if you let them go a couple years, your grapes are history. And you've got to start the process all over again. So seeding, when he's talking about seeding, he's talking about not just moving one season. He's not talking about just going from what we understand as a season, being in the fall to prune the grapes so that they come in the spring. He's talking about planting the seeds for the grapevines to grow. And it takes a long time for a grapevine to grow, doesn't it? I mean, anybody here ever plant any? They come out like this and then like this, and then finally the vine starts to grow. But it won't even give you grapes until it's grown long enough. It could be a couple years or more. But he says that as that day's coming for you as you're even planting that seed, that the harvester will not only catch up to you, he'll have enough to put into his wine press to make wine. This is how it goes. This is what Al Samen says. The crusher of the grapes will overtake him who's planting seed and sweet wine will be dropping from the mountains and the hills will be turned into streets of wine. Now, we understand that this is to give us a reality of something that we should know because of our Adam and Eve gifts of growing things, right? But the truth of the matter is he's talking spiritually. The wine that will flow from the mountains is Mount Zion, the Lord's Mount Zion. The wine that will flow unto you is that new wine. And now you know he's talking to you that behold, these days have come because you're drinking the new wine. You're receiving the new wine. Are you getting it? And the fact is now that you with him and him and you, you can overtake your present time and take your future from here and put it here. 
You can take your past, old things have passed away, and put it all in the new because time is not your nemesis. Time is yours to control. Are you getting it? So, huh? I got some of those cockadoodle poodle things, you know, heads are going, huh? Okay, I'm going to try to break it down easier. This isn't easy, but yet it is easy. It's as simple as a moment of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of it takes faith to grasp the fact that time is on your side. It takes faith. Now, some of us have had an experience where the Lord has taken us out of time. I've had one. And it was a blessed one, and the Lord took me out of an MRI, and it was 52 minutes, and the first two minutes I was there, and the next 50, I have no idea. I know I wasn't there, and I know I was in a heavenly place, and I know I was commuting with Jesus. And time was irrelevant to me, and time was irrelevant to him. The only thing that interrupted the time was that 52 minutes was up, and they rang a bell and took me out. Time. And that gave me an understanding more. And I made a prayer. I actually made a prayer in there, in that little coffin of an old MRI. That's what it was. Had everything in. Couldn't move like this. Totally. It's like being entombed in a living coffin. And I literally said a prayer. I said, Lord, time is irrelevant to you. You've taught me that. Take me out of here. Make this timeless. Let me not count time. And he did, out of his mercy and his love. Now, I don't know if that'll happen for you or not. That's, that's a matter of between you and the Lord and his providence with you. But it was faith. You see, I released faith. And that faith moved time. And it made me the master of time instead of time the master of me. It's like when a doctor or somebody with good intentions tells you you're in a stage three, a stage four, a stage five, whatever they tell you. We've had a friend that was just told that, that she's got some kind of a, of, of a pancreatic cancer, and we laid hands on her and prayed with her this week and said, no, you don't. Said, you've got to begin to just annul that and speak it down and say, no, I don't have that. Because in that moment of time, it's trying to attach to her well-intended and science seemed to think that it was, but they're going to run more tests. Because that's all that empirical science knows how to do is, is to read, the, read what is said in poor of it and, and try to measure it according to what's happened in the past and what studies show you. Well, God isn't concerned about studies. In fact, God likes to mock studies. So God takes it out of time. He takes everything out of time, if you allow him to, because God's not in time. Now, this scripture means a lot to me. I've taught it to you before. It is foundational in our Christian walk. It comes out of Acts 17, 28. Interesting, Paul was talking to poets and philosophers. And he was trying to explain to them who the invisible God is. He was trying to tell them, they said, who's this God that, that you're the ones worshiping because our poetry and everything else we have from our Roman and our Greco and all of our backgrounds, it doesn't align with this. This is strange to me. And he's telling them, this is the God that you've been trying to understand because you've been trying to understand what is it that moves your life? What is it that's ticking your time? What is it? that is causing you to have a lifetime. And he says, for in him we live. Our lifetime is in him. For in him we live and we move. Moving means that you're not stagnant. Moving means that you're not captured by your past. Moving means that you're not stuck in your presence. Moving means that in him you're going the same way he goes, which is timeless. It means that he's in the past, the present, and the future all the time. Why do you think we take authority and have power to cut generational curses because we have authority in time in God. And when you cut a generational curse, it's not just cutting it from this time going forward, it's going backwards. It's taking it out of its roots. It's annulling it right at the very place that it began because you have that authority. That's how we have the power to deliver. Deliverance is based upon our ability to escape time. It takes what is seemingly something that's psychological, psychiatric, generational, all the things, right? How many of you know they always try to measure what might occur in your body or in your mind because of what maybe you tell them happened in a generation? How many of you go and you have to fill out charts for a doctor and they want to know, has there been any generational things in your family? You know what I do with those? No. 
You know why I say no? Because I've voided them all. I've gone back in time. I'm not going to repeat something that the Lord has already declared. Come on, that the Lord has declared is gone. Well, you say, Pastor, you're not giving them the right information. No, I'm giving them the exact right information. Because if you don't, then they'll come and say, we got to watch this because this happened to your mother or your father or your grandmother or somebody. They had this and that. So we got to be very careful with, no, 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 no. Gone. Cut in time. Come on, come on. This is good stuff. That's how you have the authority and the power. That should prove to you. How many of you know that you have been able to cancel and annul and declare generational curses gone in your bloodlines? That should let you know that you're operating as a time traveler. <laughs> you're operating as a time traveler. And, and you're going back to wherever it is in the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're annulling it. And you're going up ahead of you. How many of you know that you can declare that your children, your children are not going to be the tail but the head, that they're going to be successful? How many of you know that your children aren't going to be bound by what a teacher might have said to them or a bully might have said to them? or some misfit might have said to them, or what they've been reading or receiving and things they shouldn't be. How many of you know that? We all know that. How many of yourselves have been told you weren't gonna be anything and you were gonna, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think every step of my life, there's been at least one buffoon who has told me how I wasn't gonna make it to the next thing or that I was gone. And it's very interesting because most, most of those people, they don't last too long. They seem to just fade away because they're out of time. They're out of sync and they're not moving in it. You see, that's because you are not captured by time. If you will, you are a cocoon, a capsule, a time capsule moving in the Holy Spirit in the eternity, infinity of the Lord, present, past, future in time. You see, sometimes we get a glimpse of the fingerprints of the Lord upon our, our families. Now, you know, the genealogy studies are interesting and they're funny, and I don't, I'm not gonna say they're accurate or inaccurate. I don't know, people are finding each other. That's all good stuff. But they don't get back far enough to really tell you everything about you and where you came from. I think you're gonna find out for many of you that you have influences in your life that go back a long time. I think many of you are gonna find out that somewhere, somehow, somebody was praying for you at some place. And somebody somewhere, somehow, was praying for the person before you someplace. There was a, 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 an old woman on her knees with scars on her knees before the Lord. She might have been in a religious mode, but she was praying to the Lord with a sincere heart. She might have prayed 1,000 Hail Marys for you or done 10,000 mitzvahs for you or read the Bible over 20 times or, or done the Psalms over and over and over and over and over. But she was praying for her bloodline. She was praying for, for an interrupting time. Our goal is to learn how to interrupt time instead of time interrupting you. Interrupt time. So let's go a little further. In him we live and move we have our being. And then he said, so as some of your poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Now we've already understood that you're a new creation. We're not gonna reestablish that foundation here this morning. You are a new creation. If you're in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. All things are made new. Old things have passed away. What's happened is that time has been erased to the past and now you're living in a new dimension. A dimension that, yes, it's measured by time while you're here on this earth, but that dimension isn't recorded in heaven anymore. Huh? Amen. Your sins are washed away. It's like they went into the deepest sea, right? The Lord will never see them again because you become a new creation and you're not measured by the own time clock. Your history isn't the history you were before you were born again. Come on, that should make you happy. Your history is a brand new history and you're rewriting it every day. And time is your asset. It's not your enemy. Time is on your side. And so, let's go a little further, please. We live, we have a present existence right here. In him we live and move, and we have a being. Now, from that one little declaration by Paul to these philosophers, to these deep thinkers, to these poets. He's trying to penetrate these mindsets and the hardest ones to penetrate are those that are philosophical, right? 
I, I have a degree in philosophy. And let me tell you something, you know, that really screwed me up. And I didn't know it did for a long time. And fortunately, I got a minor in religion, but I only got it because I was so close to it and it satisfied something, I got it. And, and I went to three and a half years of Catholic school, so I got some stuff from there, and then I became super Jew. And, you know, all of that began to tangle with my mind, the philosophy of my mind. But Paul's telling them, we live in Him. In Him you have your being. We live in Him. We live. He's talking about present time. Present time, you're in Him. Now, you gotta, that astonished them because they couldn't touch it. They couldn't feel it. But they had enough of a philosophical mind to believe that maybe He's connecting them to some truth that they've been trying to find out. Your present time, you live in Him. You're moving in time with Him, not on your own. Moving. Moving to God is that He's always moving, isn't it? God's never static. God is always moving. God is always changing. God is, when I say changing, He's not changing His laws of who He is and His character, but He is never, ever stagnant. God is always already ahead of us in the future to where we're supposed to be. And in Him, we have our being. That we have our being, it means our essence. Being equals essence. Essence equals who you are, what the stuff is inside of you that makes you who you are. We have our being in Him. Our essence isn't this. This is my body. This isn't going to last. This is going to be gone. I have a soul and I have a spirit. That soul and the spirit are the same essence as Him. And that is moving. It's moving with Him. My spirit is moving with Him. And his, He's moving with me. And that essence of my being is in Him, in Him, in Him. In Him is where we crack the code of the mystery of time. It's in Him. Because then we understand who we are because we begin to get the revelation of who He is. When we have the revelation of who He is, it's foundational if we really believe that He's in us and we're in Him as He said He would, as Jesus Christ prayed for us as we've had our experiences in, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being born again, we know that we know that we know this is truth. And to the world, it makes no sense. You must be born again. You know, that meant, how do you get born again? How do you crawl back in your mother's womb, right? How do you get born again? Born again is experiential, but it's also spiritual. And there's a causation to it. The causation is, the first cause is the Holy Spirit. It's Him in you in me, and He comes to dwell in us, and guess what? He's timeless. He who is within you is greater than He who is in the world. The world is accountable to time. The world gets measured by time. The world gets hired and fired by time. The world gets paid by time. How many hours? How many minutes? How many days? How many vacations? How many six? How many, hey! How many times did you go to the doctor? How many times did you rotate your tires? How many, how many seconds did you put on your microwave? The whole world is with time. But the Holy Spirit in you, he's laughing at all of that. The Holy Spirit's saying, time, what's time? The Holy Spirit says, I, I don't have a wristwatch. The Holy Spirit says, I'm eternal, I'm infinite. I'm moving in you, you're moving in me. We are timeless. Let's go a little further. It's a lot, but it's not that much. Everything that we do in our past, our present, our future becomes bonded to Him. Everything. Let's go a little further. Let's talk about some of the characteristics of God so you understand a little bit better about you and Him and you. Aseity. Aseity, A-S-E-I-T-Y, means self-sufficient. And the Lord was putting in my mind and my spirit all week long, sufficiency, sufficiency. My grace is sufficient for you, sufficiency. It's the property by which a being exists of and from itself. In our Christian belief, that doctrine is called aseity. It means that there's no other cause for God. He's his own cause. Nothing else exists for him but him, his own existence. And, and that this represents God. He's absolutely independent. And he's self-existent by his spiritual nature. And so this quality has been affirmed by many different names. 
But let's go to this point. Take me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, please. Now remember, he's in you, right? Aseity, the doctrine of aseity, he's self-sufficient, but he's in you. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, come on, always have all sufficiency in all things. You're not getting it. And have an abundance for every good work. Sufficiency overcomes the time. You see, we spend time, we labor in time because we have to try to access things, gain things, win things over. But the truth of the matter is, when you are in Him and He's in you, time does not, isn't going to measure your sufficiency. Your sufficiency is already based on Him. And He's self-sufficient. That means God in you is self-sufficient. All the things that you need, you seek first the kingdom of God, God in you, and He will supply all your needs because He has no other choice. Oh! Because you made him happy? No. Because you did the right thing? No. Because you became a good Christian and went to church? Eh, maybe. No. Because <laughs> you tithed? No. It's because of who he is and who you are in him. He's all sufficient. It's a satiety. It can't be any different. If God's in you, he can't be different than what he is. A satiety declares he must be all sufficient in himself. And Jesus says, ask what you will in my Father's name, huh? And he'll give it to you because the sufficiency is all there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's the key. You want to overcome time? Seek the kingdom of God and walk in righteousness. And when you do, you are controlling time. Time's not controlling you. Now, come on, this is a truth that ought to change your life. When you do, you say, Pastor, I'm really trying to grasp it. Well, try it. Huh? We all have some things we've got to work on, right? But God isn't measuring us by that. He's measuring us by if we're seeking the kingdom of God. How do we seek the kingdom of God? God lets each one of us know what's required of us, doesn't he? I know what's required of me. I fall short many times. Sometimes I make it. But I'm always saying, Lord, help me, help me, help me. Help me, Lord. I want to please you in it. I want to seek the kingdom of God according to my assignment of what you've given me. Keep me strong and then God. I don't want to dwindle away. I don't want to limp around trying to do my assignment. I want to be able to perform my assignment, Lord. All sufficiency. And this is what I like. What does he do? He abounds you in grace. Grace, if you will, is the cocoon of his sufficiency around you and in you. It's his grace. Why is that important? Because grace isn't something you earn. You're saved by grace. It's that same timeless energy. It's his grace. His grace incorporates you, circles you, cocoons you, holds you close to him in his comfort. And then he says, I'm able to make all grace abound toward you. All grace. What is all grace? There's only one person that's all grace. It's God, right? The Holy Spirit, God the Son, God the Father. I'm able to make all the fullness of my sufficiency abound right to you, and you may have an abundance for every good work. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Pastor, are we now getting back to works? No, no. He's saying, I'm going to give you an abundance to do every good work that you do in your life. You know what's a good work? Working. Working's a good work. Sleeping's a good work. Huh? Yeah, yeah, we all need sleep. Taking a bath, a shower, that's a wonderful thing. Try it. <laughs> There's a lot of good works. But the things in the kingdom of God are good works. And when we seek God with what he's given us to do, with righteousness, and with a mindset to do the things of God, he says, I'm going to encapsulate all the sufficiency of my grace. And it's going to bathe you. And every step that you take, I'm going to order and direct. You may not even know the steps you're taking and I've already put you in place to, but you're going to end up in the place that you're supposed to be. I'm going to order and direct your steps. I have an abundance for every good work. Let's get in the mindset of Paul. You know, Paul obviously came from a, a wealthy Jewish family. He, he didn't 
wasn't able to train under the Gamaliel and, and the chief rabbi and coming from a, a poor little Jewish family that didn't have any presence in the temple. That was politics. And it also determined who was bright. So he was bright. He spoke multiple languages. He was bright. He, was, he had zeal. He had all the stuff that was the super Jew. And he was moving forward. He had everything. You can imagine that the robes he was wearing, they weren't cheap robes. Not the same ones he was wearing after Christ stole them. You can imagine that the food that he ate was better food than that that he got on the trail. You can imagine that as the super Jew, he was never whipped. He was never beaten. He wasn't ridiculed and persecuted because he had authority and power and stamina. But all of a sudden, he says, I'm okay. I'm okay. Because you know what? Time isn't going to define me. I'm defined out of time in the Lord. All is his grace is my sufficiency. And it's an abundance of every good work he's going to give me what I need to do. And for that, he was able to persevere and to move on another day and to be strong and to live in that revelation that he overcomes time. Time doesn't overcome him. Eternity. We have to grasp the understanding of eternity to understand how we can be timeless in him and him in us. We think we understand it, but do we? Eternity means infinite durations without any interruptions. You see, our concept of eternity is, yes, I'm gonna have eternal life, but in the meantime, I'm interrupted right now by time. <laughs> no, then you don't have eternal life. You do, but you don't. Yes, you're saved forever and you have eternal life with God, but are you walking in that revelation or are you walking in the revelation that you're being measured by moments of time? Because the true definition of eternal life, Christ said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I am the light, I am the way, I am the truth. He's eternal life. If you're walking in eternal life, then you're not going to be focused on the interruptions of time in eternal life because eternity has no interruptions. You can't interrupt God, what God's doing. People try, it doesn't work. You getting what I'm saying to you? It's your mindset. That's why you can say all things indeed work for good to those who love God according to his righteousness. Because whatever that was, you could say it was an interruption. You could say it was a step backwards. You could say it was an assault of the enemy. You could, you could give it whatever label you want to give it. But the truth of the matter is, all things are working to good for you according to God's eternal plan for you. And that little interruption only becomes something that can define you if you allow it to. But you gotta just walk right on through it because in him you live and move and you have your being. Does it make sense to you? Because you're gonna have all kinds of interruptions. We all do. We have all kinds of things in our lives that try to get us off track. We have all kinds of things in line that try to stop us from doing what we're called to do. And that's why it's so important to understand in our lives when we're asking and seeking the Lord, say, Lord, is this kingdom for me? Is this kingdom for me? If it's kingdom for me, then you know what? Let's go do it. And I expect, yeah, I'm going to question it a lot of times. And I expect, yeah, I'm going to have to wonder, is it working or not working? But if it's kingdom for me, let's go do it, Lord, you and I. Let's get it done. That's the mindset that doesn't allow time to define you by interruptions because eternity doesn't have interruptions. God's goodness, God's graciousness, God's holiness, these are all of the characteristics that are inside of you. Do you know that you have all power, omnipotent power to, to, for goodness? Do you know that? You do. You're an offspring of all good. He's only good. You have an infinite power for all goodness. Your mind, your flesh might tell you how bad you are. Your flesh might try to condemn you. Others might not appreciate you, but you in him and him in you, you're good. Huh? How about you just say, I'm good. Say it loud. It's not proud. I'm good. I'm good. How many of you know you have all grace inside of you? Because he's all grace. Say, I'm gracious. I'm gracious. How many of you know that God doesn't know anything about disease? Hmm? He knows all about it. He ain't got any. How do you know God isn't distributing diseases? Say, I'm healthy. I'm healthy. I got a sharp mind. I'm going to live until it's time to go home. 
and I'm going to live healthy and wise. And he's going to take care of me. Because all things work together for good for me. And he's going to supply all my needs. Because I'm seeking his kingdom. That's the declaration that overcomes time. That declaration, you just shook the enemy to his roots. Because you know why? <laughs> he wishes he was timeless. The clock is ticking against him. The clock is ticking for you and it's clicking against him. You're going towards the light and he's, he's in hell. And the time is going to come where that's the only place he's going to be. I don't know what it is, but it's such a torture place that it's even going to torture the father of hell. That I know. And that's eternal without interruptions. Without interruptions. You see, for us to understand to be the light in a dark world, we have to understand that the, the way the, the world is measuring time is irrelevant to us. Right? It's irrelevant to us. Oh, you know, another nine months and, and uh, your crypto is going to be worth more because we'll be coming out of a recession. Uh, I don't know. I'm not measuring my time that way. I'm measuring my time. He shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And I'm measuring my time by the fact, as most of you do too, we work. And God blesses the hands of, of what we work and he multiplies it. And yes, some invest our money and, and, that, and God messes that. And some give away a lot and God really blesses that. Because that in time moves you right to the beginning in the front of the bus. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Do you imagine? Now you know why Jesus said that, right? Because Peter and everybody, they were bugging him. What about us? You know, these people, they just came to you, Lord. They don't even know you. And they're running out and healing people and they're getting blessed and they're getting crowds following them. And what about us? We've been here with you. What's going to happen to us? And what's Jesus say? The last shall be first and the first shall be last. What he was saying to him was, slow down, boys. Get a mindset of time. In time with me and the Father, last, first, first, last, it doesn't matter. Because we're all there in time. It's not about promotion. It's about eternal and infinite. A few more attributes of God that we want to talk about. Eminence, not imminence, eminence, I-M-M-A-N-E-N-C. Eminence means that he is in all things and with all people. He is not far from anyone. He's imminent. Otherwise, everybody, everybody that's ever been born has a seed of the nature inside of them to know the Lord. He didn't die just for the ones who would call upon him as Lord. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He died for all sinners. The tragedy is that all sinners get released from their, their, their slavery to sin. Some never get there. Some go back. So in essence, that blood was wasted on them. But the truth of the matter is he's imminent. And his love is what makes him imminent. His love is what makes him never give up. His love is what tells us that nothing can separate us. Not death, not disease, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And that love is imminent. That love is holding on to you. That love is going before you. That love is the same love that wrote you into the beginning in the book of life before the beginning of time. How many of you know that your existence began before time? Hmm? Doesn't that make sense? Because you were eternal before time was. Now you're still eternal and time is and time's going to be gone and you're still going to be eternal. Ah. You're like a time traveler. You're encapsulated. You're in a time machine. It's called you, your being. And you're just moving through time in eternity. And eternity defines you not time. Okay, the last couple. Immutability. God is unchanging in his character and his will and in his covenant promises. Which means what? He's, immutab he's immutably wise. He's immutably merciful, good, and gracious. God inside of you means that you have that sufficiency 
that capacity to have that same level of immutability inside of you. You're going to be tried and tested in a lot of areas. It's going to test your grace. It does me. It's going to test your goodness. It's going to test your wisdom. But know that he who is within you is greater than he who is in the world. So you already have the asset. And that takes you out of that time zone and puts you into the eternal mindset of God Almighty. He's immutable. Because he's immutable inside of you, you can rely upon him. And you could know that he's not going to give you a different answer today or tomorrow about his goodness, his graciousness, his love for you. He's immutable. Impassibility. Impassibility is a strange one. I don't want to get into it too much, but it's a doctrine that tells us that God does not experience pain. Now, let me deal with it real quick and I'll let it go. God can't be hurt. He has emotions. We understand that. But he doesn't experience disease or pain. That's why Jesus Christ came as a man. Christ came as a man and he suffered pain. He suffered death. He suffered the disease of sin and all the sins and diseases of the world upon him. But then he was resurrected and he didn't take that back into heaven with him. In fact, we understand from the book of Joshua that he was washed clean and left in there as a clean person. So Christ can, can sit in and understand and empathize with us and what we have because he's experienced with it all. But you're not hurting God when you hurt yourself or the things of that. What you're doing is rebelling against God. And because God is impassable, if God was able to be defective, then that means you could be defective. You understand? God is not defective. God inside of you is perfect. God in you has no defects. God in you cannot be hurt. You understand that? That's why it's such a grave sin to bruise the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is God's infinite and most intimate relationship with us. The Holy Spirit comes inside of us and he's vulnerable to us. And when we bruise him, let's, let's pray we don't, but Paul says many have. When we bruise him, that is offending that intimacy of God with us. Because we are there to protect God inside of us, amen? The temple, he's inside of us. So we understand a little bit more that there's a transcendent relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Father, he's impassable. The Son, he became man in the flesh. He suffered for man in the flesh, took on disease and sin. He understands temptation, he went on. The Holy Spirit, pure, the Spirit of glory from the Father inside of us. It's like, I don't know how else to liken it, it would be like a delicate child that has never been bruised, has never understood pain and suffering, has never had to see the, the, the violence of life. And all of a sudden, you know, we terrorize that spirit. The Holy Spirit's very intimate. The Holy Spirit's a person. The Holy Spirit isn't a thing. The Holy Spirit is more than comfort. It's more than, he's more than advocate. Holy Spirit is a person. And so we do well to develop that relationship with Holy Spirit. And to understand that as we do, we're establishing eternal principles with Him inside of us and He in us. Principles that go far beyond the present now and even beyond the future you'll live in this life. Your lifetime, your lifetime isn't measured by this life. Your lifetime is measured by eternity when you're a new creature in Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. I'm going to end it there. I have a lot more, but I'm not going to get it. We know he's omnipotent, all-powerful. We know he's omniscient, all-knowing. We know that he's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. Finally, this. <clears throat> Much is said about prophecy and prophetic word. And I've analyzed it and overanalyzed it and analyzed it again. It, it's a fearful thing to move in true, true prophecy. You know, it gets glamorized in Western theology, but I haven't seen one prophet in the Bible that didn't suffer. 
But we got a whole lot of prophets in this country that are living large. Hmm? So there's a lot of words that'll go out this New Year's to you. And if you look hard enough, you'll see they're just the same ones that somebody has regurgitated another way from the last couple years. I remember when the, the pandemic here, 19, 2019 and that, and I could tell you that many, this is your year. This is the year that God's gonna bless you. This is the year that you're going to achieve what God has given you to do. And then four months later, God is getting your attention. Oh, really? And I remember when <clears throat> I released a different word from that. And I released it here, you know that. And I said, the Lord's taken us to a new place and all things are gonna become new. Remember? It was, mm -hmm. But he's gonna give us what we need, but the whole world's gonna get shook up. And it was like, what, what, Sid Roth? Everybody, what are you talking about? The glory, the glory, the glory. Yeah, the glory, the glory, the glory. Prophetic word is speaking in the present what is already truth in the future. It's a movement of faith speaking what the Lord says because to him it's timeless. And when prophetic word is released, prophetic word is grounded on the real word of the Lord. It's grounded on the ability and the understanding that God has taken a truth, something that's gonna manifest and he's put it in the present now. And when it's spoken out by God's servants, that word is as real in the present as it will be in the future. Prophetic word is a very serious thing. Prophetic word isn't a toolbox. It's not a tool in the box of a believer. Prophetic word is a requirement. So as we go into the new year, I challenge you and all those who are listening, guard your ears very carefully from prophetic words. Look at the motives. Look at the lifestyles. Hmm? And really get careful when the exclamation point at the end of that prophetic word is, if you send me some money here, I'll be able to keep giving this word around the world. I know the prophetic words I've released went around the world, nobody gave me a dime. And I know this too, it brought a lot of persecution. True prophetic word, do your own study in the Bible, show me one prophet that was living large. Jesus? John? <laughs> Paul was prophetic, apostolic. The disciples, all martyred. Isaiah, Jeremiah weeping all the time. Amos, Haggai, even Moses, when he was prophetic, they wanted to kill him. We need to get our eyesight right. Why am I saying this? Because this I can assure you is based in the word of God, Isaiah 60, 61. Gross darkness is covering the earth. Arise, shine, you are the light of the Lord. But you need to have your ears filled with the right stuff. Because people run to and fro chasing prophetic words that are better not to be said. People wanna believe whatever came out of somebody's mouth because they're deemed a prophet as if that's gonna change their life for this year or this moment. But the truth of the matter is that the kingdom in you is speaking and resonating who you are and what the time is. And those words will come and go. They'll come and go. They'll come and go. But the word of the Lord shall be true and straight. So unlike many, I get the invites. Would you send us something what your prophetic word is for this year? No. I'm not a vending machine prophet. You don't put a quarter in me and get something out. And I can't just make something up to be published. And I realize that when I do release a word, it's usually not the word people want. 
That's not the word I want. So this I caution you. This is my word coming into this year for now. And God will give me more and give you more. Guard your ears. Guard your ears. Guard your ears. See. Chazah. See through time. Ask him to show you the eternal truths. Work towards the kingdom. Ask him to show you your kingdom assignments. And don't minimize them. A lot of times a kingdom assignment is the workplace you're in. Realize that you can affect one life that could change a nation. You can affect one life that'll rescue a generation past, present, and future. You have the power and the authority of life in your mouth and in your words. Glory be to God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we strive to know you better and greater. and You bless us with wisdom and revelation and understanding. We thank you, Lord, that you are in us and we are in you. And oh my God, help us to understand that precious, precious, precious gift, that treasure, that opportunity we have to live and move and have our being in you and you in us. That all of your sufficiency is, is poured out to us. That Father, we are completely held by your grace and by your love. And that Lord, you desire all good things for us and the blessings from heaven above, even as we look to serve you in our own ways, quiet, small, loud, and large, whatever, Father. We thank you, Lord. And Father, our prayer as we go into this year is help us to prepare ourselves and in and, and, and our congregation and those that we have in a sphere of influence to become credible, qualified, clean elements, people of the bride of Christ. Help us, Father. Help us to prepare your bride as we prepare ourselves. Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Give the Lord a hand. Thank you. I talked to you about a fast, <clears throat> and I've been giving it some prayer, a lot of prayer. And you know, I always try not to be stuck to an agenda, try not to conform to a schedule, because at times when we do that, it's an interruption <laughs> instead of an essence. So this is what the Lord put on my heart. And we're going to post something on the website if you want to do a structured fast that we have designed, that we've used. But this I'm going to challenge you to do. Ask the Lord how for the next 21 days, starting on Wednesday, Wednesday? Starting on Wednesday, that you can fast. Now, you know, there's a lot of colds and flus and stuff going around. And for some people, it's not really healthy to go into a full fast right now, and for others it is. Um, what, I'm, what I'm gonna encourage you to do is ask the Lord what kind of a fast you can do, and it may not be the same in that 21 days. You might take a, a period of, of a day or two or three days in there and do a whole out fast. You might take a period of time that's vegetables or liquids. You might take a period of time that you cut back and it's one meal. Let that be between you and the Lord. Just, just put it in your heart and your mind, if you will, please, that from January 4th for 21 days to the 26th, that January 26th, that you're gonna, you're gonna seek God with a fasted life and a fasted heart. That's personal between you and God. And you know what? You can't blow it. You can't blow it. it it's, not, it's not legalistic. It's not liturgical. <laughs> it's, it's you and it's Him. He might have you fast a meal and do something at night. He might have you go a couple days. He might just take away your hunger, whatever it is. You know, and if you're fighting something, make sure you stay strong and fight through it because this is a season where 
There's a lot of stuff floating around and a lot of people are getting hit with things, but we don't need to fear that. We just need to be wise in it. So that's what I encourage you to do. And we'll be uh, issuing some prayer points uh, starting this week and throughout it. Prayer points for you personally, uh, for the church, the congregation, for our nation, and for the kingdom and Israel. That's how we're going to be releasing them. And then the Lord will give you your own embellishment and your own understanding of things as you're going forward. So 